Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Ephesians chapter 4. And as you're turning, we will thank the Father for His Word. Our Father, we do thank You in Jesus' name that these holy words that You've written to us in this holy book called the Bible have made us wise in the salvation that we may grow up in Him in all things and be perfect in Christ, mature, steadfast, sure, knowing in Him that we believe in that you'll not, Father God, allow us to be defeated. For we have the victory through your word. We thank you for it. And as the word goes forth, it will go forth in demonstration of the spirit and the power. That our faith will not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the living God. I thank you for it. I thank you, dear Father God, for attentive ears, receptive hearts, that the word, Father God, as it makes entrance into the Spirit, would give light. And we be doers of the Word and not hearers only, and blessed in our deeds. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, here in the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians, we are continuing our lessons on the kingdom. I don't know how many lessons we're going to do on this series. I mean, you know... To me, it doesn't matter. I'm here till Jesus comes. Are you? Amen. And what's the difference what the title is? Amen. So we'll just continue this, the kingdom search. But note verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as others Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. But I'll tell Paul used some choice words, didn't he? He made no bones about what he meant, about what he said. He came out and said what he meant, amen? Notice here that the other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. And uh, the reason for it being is because their understanding is darkened, because they're alienated from the life of God. Through the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness or the blindness of the heart. Now, all he's saying is they can't help to do what they're doing. Because, you see, the life that's in them is darkness. Which brings me to the fact that we're talking about the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. We're referring to two kingdoms. God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom. God's kingdom is called the kingdom of light. Satan's kingdom is called the kingdom of darkness. In the kingdom of darkness, Satan is king. In the kingdom of light, Jesus is king. Ha ha on the devil. We got the greater king. Amen. Bless God, we're in the right kingdom. Amen. Don't you remember it said over there in the book of Luke that if a king sat down to, you know, it was going out to war, first he should sit down to find out whether, he, whether or not he has enough to beat the other fellow. If he's got 20,000, he's only got 10,000. Lo and behold, you better send somebody out to make peace. Well, bless God, I've made peace with God. I have peace with God. I was in Satan's kingdom, but I found out God's got more on his side than the devil's got on his. So I just switched over teams. I got on God's side. Amen? Amen. And I'm in the kingdom of light where Jesus is king and Lord of all. Amen. Now, we found out that the spirit of man is a partaker of one of these two kingdoms. The spirit of man is a partaker of one of these two kingdoms. Either the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness. There's no in-between with God. There's no middle of the road. You are either a partaker of the divine nature, or you are a partaker of the satanic nature. The only way you can be made a partaker of the divine nature is found in Colossians 1.13. You don't have to turn to it. Who hath delivered us from the power or the authority of darkness, and transferred us or translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, or the kingdom of life, or the kingdom of love, which is God's kingdom. So, the spirit of man that's been made a partaker of the divine nature has really been delivered from the satanic nature and the satanic kingdom. 
Satan no longer has dominion over the person that's been born again. Jesus has dominion. Jesus is Lord of his life. Amen? Okay. The effect of life, then, in the human spirit is love. The effect of God's kingdom in the human spirit is love. That is the effect of righteousness in the human spirit. It's love. It's the essence of God. The expression of God. God's person living in you is love. And the love of God was shed abroad in your heart by the Spirit of God. Well, we said the effect of darkness in the human spirit is selfishness. That's understandable. Selfishness is the, is, is the expression of Satan. I will raise my throne above God's throne. I will be like the Most High God. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will do it all. Satan wanted to be like God. Satan wanted to be greater than God. And, and that's called selfishness, pride. And the effect of darkness in the human spirit is selfishness. Selfishness. The effect of light is love. The effect of darkness is selfishness. Selfishness. Now, we need to understand that, and we need to know that. We also said concerning the spirit of man, not only is he a partaker of, of the divine nature, which means he's saved, but also the spirit of man has got to be cleansed. Second Corinthians 7, 1 said that we are to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We also found out that this spirit of man has got to be preserved, that we be preserved blameless, spirit, soul, and body under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the spirit of man has got to be saved, the spirit of man has got to be cleansed, and the spirit of man has got to be preserved. We call this saving justification. We call this cleansing sanctification. And of course, we've got to be preserved into the day of our Lord. Preservation means, that word there, preserved, means to guard from loss or injury by keeping the eye on. Okay, well, what we want to look at Keep your bookmarker there. If you have a bookmarker, put it over there in Ephesians, the uh, fourth chapter, because we'll be turning back to this and go back to James where we left off, the third chapter. The effect, we said, of this life in our spirit is love, and the effect of darkness in the spirit is selfishness. We'll call these two forces, selfishness and love, two sources or two fountains. In the third chapter of the book of James, you recall that we talked about the fountain. The word fountain here means source. That the fountain sent forth at the same place sweet water and bitter. One is a source of sweet water, and the other is a source of bitter water. One is a fountain of sweet water, one is a fountain of bitter water. One is a fountain of life, one is a fountain of death. One is a fountain of love, one is a fountain of selfishness. You see, you can just draw. Now, you have to realize that the spirit of man, we talk about the heart of man, we talk about the core of man. The forces or the issues of life come out of the inner man. Sometimes I think we're too physic, you know, physically minded and conscious, and we think that these things that you know, are out here are more real than the things of the spirit. But actually, I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you beyond the shadow of a doubt and by God's holy word, if you took your spirit out of your body, your body would just lay down dead. Which is more real? Spirit. Amen? It's time we begin to walk in the Spirit. It's time we begin to be more Spirit conscious than flesh conscious. Everybody's looking at all the circumstances around them. They're considered about there this old outer man of ours, you see. But we've uh, missed out on the inner man. And, and, and because of it, we've been drawing from the wrong fountain. Well, over here, James said... Uh, in verse 12, Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine fig, so can no fountain both yield? Salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man among you, uh, uh, and a dude with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, Peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, and of good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Okay. Now notice the effect of that life or light in the human spirit is love. There is something that's born out of love. There is wisdom. Wisdom is born out of love. It's the wisdom of light or of God. But I want you to see the effect. God is life. 
God is light. God's expression is love. God in us is love. The love nature is in us. And out of that love nature comes his wisdom. His wisdom is born out of love. Okay? Now, on the other hand, satanic nature, the satanic nature and the fountain of the source of his life produces in the inner man selfishness and the wisdom of selfishness is found in bitterness. It's the root of bitterness. You found here? Look at that verse again. Now, it says over here in um, verse 14. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom. See, there is a wisdom that comes forth out of Satan. It's born out of selfishness. Bitterness, envy, strife, and division. All these things come out of his fountain, we'll say. Out of his fountain. The wrong fountain. But the wisdom from above is first pure. Sweet. Sweet and pure. See? Gentle. Peaceable. Easy to be entreated. Now here are two flows of life. Life and death. Life and death. Now, the effect of these two forces, spiritual forces of life, into the soul and into the human body are devastating. We found out, and I'm just reiterating, that in Proverbs 16, 23 and 24, that pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, sweet water, and health to the bones, the moistening of the bones. We store up all that vitamins and nourishment. In our bones, healthy bones, such a sign of excellent health. But on the other hand, we found out, and I'm speaking even medically speaking, that the root cause of most of your sickness and diseases is due to depression, anxiety, worries, frustrations, and fears that come forth out of bitterness, selfishness, self-pity, pride. All these things are shooting forth life. God's wisdom is bringing forth his life. Satanic wisdom is bringing forth his life. His life happens to be death. I don't want to be a partaker of death, do you? I don't want to be highly developed in death, do you? I want to be highly developed in life, in light, in love, so that God's forces can pour forth out of my spirit, be sweet to the soul, my mind, and health to my bones that my wholesome tongue produces me to be a tree of life, bearing fruit of righteousness. You see? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Okay, the tongue of the wise is health. See, that's how we get health. That's how we walk in health. Now, notice the wisdom that comes from God is health. The tongue of the wise is health. That's God's wisdom. But on the other hand, the tongue of uh, strife and envy and division produces sickness and disease in abundance. Now the effect God's word has and wisdom has on the soul of man is sweet. But the effect that bitterness, envy, and strife has on the soul of man is anxiety, worry, mental oppression, depression, mental disorder. That mental disorder will finally find its way into physical disorder which is something we want to get into. Because dealing with the spirit of man, we said here in this third chapter of the book of James that we were told that the spirit operates through the soul, which connected to the tongue operates to the body, through the body. The spirit operates through the soul, which connected to the tongue will control the body. How many, how many of you remember that? The spirit operates through the soul, and the soul, with, by the spirit and soul hooked together to the tongue, controls the body. There's not a Christian alive that has, does not have the power and the ability to control his senses, his outer man. Now, we're going to show you how to get delivered from corrupt thinking. Go back there to uh, Ephesians. And let's look again at that word, vanity. A very powerful word in verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. Stop there, first of all. 
If we're admonished not to walk as other Gentiles walk, then evidently we can't. Right? Well, if you're telling children don't do it, then evidently they can't do it. Right? That's why you're telling them not to do it. I don't want you to do it because it's not good for you. If you do that, you know, you might get hurt. You don't do that. Bless God, and using that wisdom, they'll, you know, protect themselves. But if they don't take heed to what's being said, they can go off and do it and get hurt. How many times do you tell your little ones, don't touch that stove, it's hot? Well, you know, if they'd learned to listen to what you said, they'd have saved themselves a little burn on their finger. But I guarantee you, once they touched it the first time, they wasn't going near it again. So they, they learned, but they learned the hard way. Now here he said, don't walk as other Gentiles walk in their vanity. The word vanity literally means profitless. Profitless. Now specifically, it means an idol. An idol. An idol. You know, men have made an idol out of their minds. They made education their idol. They have educated their heads at the expense of their hearts. And their heads, their minds, have been idolized. You'll find this in Christian science. You know, God is a mind. Can you imagine God being limited to my mind, this here mind, your mind? Can you imagine that being God? Think about it. We've been learning all these years. And to say that my mind is God is ridiculous. But they've idolized their mind. This word here, don't walk in the vanity of their mind, or the profitless. This mind is profitless. It is, and it can become an idol. It means it's translated empty, or, as it says here, vain, vanity. It's empty, void. And one more word, I think, that will that, describe it. Cannot be utilized. It cannot be utilized. Inutility. It cannot be utilized. This kind of a mind, the vanity of the mind, that mind is profitless. It's an idol. Man began to worship his intellect. You can see that in, in, just in scientific discoveries of the day. Man, my, man is so intellectual right now that they surpassed God. They got to the moon. God made the moon. He hung it out there for you to get to. Amen? Isn't that right? And besides all that, if you just thought and thought about it, he made you also. And he made that mind of ours. Amen? So think about it. God is far greater than our minds. But this here says that the person can walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened. There comes that word darken again. The kingdom of darkness produced darkness in the mind. Why? Because they were alienated or separated from the life of God. The life of God is in your spirit. Don't alienate your mind from the life that's in your spirit. Just because you got born again does not mean your mind received the light of God. It did not. If it did, we wouldn't be studying. We would know. Bless God, if we was born again in spirit, born again in soul, and born again in body, we wouldn't be sitting here right now. We'd be floating in glory. Amen? Amen. And you wouldn't have to be concerned about controlling your tongue because it would only know what is right. And speak of excellent and princely things. No, but the mind has got to be developed and be renewed and be transfigured or transformed by the process of taking what's in our spirit through the Word by the Holy Spirit to renew this mind and change this mind so that this mind can think the thoughts of God. And when this process takes place, then the light that's in our spirit takes control of the mind. Then when these two are working together, spirit and mind, the tongue comes into subjection. And then when my tongue is speaking the word of God and releasing that same light, my body aligns up to what I'm speaking. It's controlled. The same as a perfect man able also to bridle the whole body because he offends not in his word. It sets ablaze or on the course righteousness begins to be activated, the operation of the faith of God to build God's life into the spirit, through the soul, by the tongue, to the body. And you know what's left for to do? God's life oozes out of your pores. I said God's life oozes out of your pores and radiates to those that be around. 
Think about that. That's not too far down the road, I'm telling you right now. That's not far down the road. That's not for just a few. That's for everybody. Everybody. But you know what we need to be delivered from? We need to be delivered from our corrupt mind, reasoning faculties. I'll show you that scripture over here in James. We'll, go, we'll hold your place right here. Keep your bookmarker over there. We said we'd be going back and forth to it. And look at this scripture in James, the first chapter. And verse 21. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save. Now the word save there is the Greek word sozo. And that Greek word sozo is the same word that says, If thou shalt even thine heart and confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. Spirit needs to be saved, he said, right? Okay. Now, also, your mind or your soul. Your soul is your mind or your reasoning faculties. Okay. Now, you need to be saved in your mind. Your mind needs to be saved. Saved. Now, really, the word there means to be to delivered, to be delivered from. Preserved, sound, made whole. We need to receive the engrafted word of God with meekness that we may be delivered from our corrupt reasoning faculties. I think the best way to say that is like this. Wherefore, lay apart from you all filthiness and overflowing of naughtiness and receive with meekness the implanted word into your spirit that you may be saved, that your souls may be saved, or delivered from your corrupt reasoning faculties. I looked it up in the Strong's and compared the, the words, and really I think that is a more literal translation. That you may be delivered from your corrupt reasoning faculties. That holds true in, in right in line with Scripture. Because we found out that the mind is enmity against God. Man's natural carnal mind is enmity against God. It cannot know God. It is alienated from the life of God. And our thoughts, natural man's thoughts, are not God's thoughts and ways are not his ways. But we can be delivered from our thoughts and be delivered from his ways. Because we are told to walk in his ways and keep his statutes, are we not? How can I walk in his ways if I don't know his ways? You understand? That's what he said to do. Okay, so we have to be delivered from our corrupt reasoning faculties or from our corrupt thinking. Now, how do I do that? Well, bless God, I believe that's where the teaching of God's word comes in. That's why the body of Christ has been in such chaos since... The days the apostles left. Well, not even since then. Even when Paul himself was teaching, he'd go and teach the words of life, and some old Judaizer would come up behind him and start preaching all his garbage. And Paul said, this man's destitute of the truth. He's speaking all these foolish things and, and vain words, he said. As a matter of fact, how do you think we get vanity in our mind? Because they preach vain words. I'll show you that in Scripture a little bit later. Okay. It was the Father's will to give us birth in our spirit, but the Father God cannot enter into the soulless realm. No, He doesn't do that. He cannot. He does not have the liberty to come to you and just take your mind and just change it. That is your responsibility. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says that we are to present our bodies and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is your spiritual or reasonable service. Or it is your spiritual responsibility. It's my responsibility to renew my mind and to change my thinking, to change my mind, and to get it to line up with God's Word. Now go back to Ephesians 4. This is what's called the process of taking off the old man and putting on the new. Taking off the old man and putting on the new. Now the reason we said that, that the mind has got to be changed and transformed is because the human spirit was alienated at one time from the life of God. But now the new teacher has been put within us, the human spirit's born of God, and that new life that's within us has got to teach us through our minds to get to our bodies. Look at verse 19. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to uh, lasciviousness to work all uncleanness. Now notice this. The outward working of a person who's alienated from the life of God 
whose mind is dark, the outward working is all uncleanness and greediness. That's the very life of Satan himself. Next verse. But you have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, which is the opposite of uncleanness and bitterness and greediness. This is the act of putting off, taking off, and putting on. Taking off and putting on. He tells you what to do. Put away from you lying. Notice that the first characteristic of that old devil is he's a liar and the father of all liars. And the first thing we're to take off is lying. Take it off. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. That's speaking the word. For remember, one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication ever proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer, and grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now note this next phrase, let all bitterness. See, this is part of that spring or fountain of bitterness that some, having erred from the truth, have allowed to take root inside them. Instead of being rooted and grounded in love, they begin to allow these forces, the opposite forces, to take hold of their lives again. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ has also loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a, sweet, a sacrifice to God. Notice this, for a sweet-smelling savor. That sweet-smelling savor comes out of the sweet water that James talked about, the fountain of life. Amen? His wisdom. This is God's wisdom, walking in love and forgiveness. Okay. Uh, but fornication in all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints, neither filthiness, cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit by keeping your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking out, nor foolish jesting, talking or jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving a thanks. For this you know that no whoremonger nor unclean, unclean, unclean person nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Which kingdom are in? I'm not an unclean person. You shouldn't be there. Amen? Notice this next verse. This is very important. Here's that scripture I said. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Vain words. What are profitless words? What are words that are empty? What are words that are meaningless? Worthless. I'll tell you some words that are worthless. God doesn't want you to be filled with the Holy Ghost with speaking with other tongues. It's not for everybody. Those are worthless words. Those are vain words. Well, God doesn't want to heal everybody. Those are words to no avail. Those are, those are vain words. Well, the resurrection's already been passed. Those are the words of Hymenaeus and Philetus, who, according to the Apostle Paul, erred from the truth because of the deceitfulness of their heart. They were teaching vain words. Those words will never get you filled with the Holy Ghost. Isn't it amazing that somebody who sits under that type of teaching is never filled with the Holy Ghost? But once they go to somewhere where somebody teaches the word, the truth, that you can be and should be, they all come off speaking in other tongues because they got filled with the Holy Ghost. Isn't that, a, isn't that something? Well, those are profitable words, weren't they? They profited that person, didn't they? And every time they sat under a ministry that ever preached, God doesn't want to heal you. Maybe if he wants to, but if he doesn't want to, if it be thy will, God doesn't want to do nothing for you. They never got anything. 
But as soon as they heard somebody preach some words that said, God will meet your every need according to His riches and glory by Christ, Jesus. And it's His will to heal you every time because He's already took your infirmities and buried sicknesses. Then they walk off healed and say, well, glory be to God. What happened? Those were words that were profitable. Amen? But these people are speaking vain words, which produces vanity of the mind, which causes deception in the heart or the spirit, which activates the course of nature. And you'll find out that all these people that don't believe and sat under a ministry that teaches that, let's say, like tongues and the Holy Ghost, and is, tongues really is what they teach, is not for today. They have been so developed, spirit, soul, and body, that it's hard to get them turned around to get them to, to receive them. Sometimes it takes time to really get that broken up out of their spirit and to teach them the truth so that they can get delivered, recover themselves from the snare of the devil, and get over to the right teaching and get themselves filled with the Holy Spirit and speak with other tongues like they should be. Amen? You see, that's, 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 that's that cycle that takes place out of the spirit through the soul through the body by the way of the tongue. Okay. Now, over here he said, for because... Now, notice this. This is very important. Now, if you're saying you're stepping on my toes... God's about to heal him right now. Are you ready for it? God's going to heal him. You know, he, I told you he's in the healing business. Now look it. For because of these things, what things? These vain words. Because of these things, these other things plus these vain words, cometh the wrath of God upon the children of unbelief. Uh-oh. I said because of those vain words cometh the wrath of God. Be not many masters, knowing you shall receive the greater... You dare teach one of my young ones that follow me unbelief. Don't you dare teach them vain words that will lead them astray. And hurt the faith of many. Paul said that these people that were preaching this untruth was making shipwreck of the faith of many. I guarantee you the person that was teaching that doctrine is going to be held accountable before the throne of God. I don't care if I ever, if I have never attained or ever walked in what I'm preaching to you from this word. I guarantee you it's not working because I've attained to it. It's working because it's in the word of God. And I guarantee you, I am shooting for the mark. I'm on my way, and I'm shooting for that high calling. Aren't you? But I'm going to preach to you the fullness. I'm not going to just, I'm not going to back off from one, not one word of truth. Why? Uh, because I'll be held accountable for it. Amen. I'm going to preach to you the truth. So you might as just get settled down in your seats. You're to be born again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, Faith walking, love walking, living epistles of the living Christ, known and read of all men that can walk as he walked. You can't get any better than that. Hallelujah. Amen? That's it. So praise God. I don't want God's wrath on me, do you? I've been delivered from God's wrath. I don't want that judgment coming on me. Bless God. Hold your place there again. I can't tell you hold your place there. Hold your place there. Go to First Timothy 6. I'll show you what I'm talking about. Vain words causes corrupt minds, which causes deception in the spirit. And because of this, the wrath of God will be upon those that teach it. You see why it's so hard for God to get people's thinking turned around? You say, but I believe that all my life. Yeah, because you were taught that, and you were developed in it, and the cycle began to take place. You got it in your spirit, you got it in your soul, you got it in your mouth, you got it in your body, and you believe that none of these things are for you today. But bless God, when you get your mind renewed to the truth, it will affect your spirit, which will reaffect your soul, and your mind will change it. You'll be renewed. You'll start speaking the word that, yeah, it is for me today, bless God. And then before you know it, you'll get it. You'll have it. That's how it works. Okay, 1 Timothy 6 and verse... Let's look at verse 3 first. Now, note what he said here about these words. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words. If any man teach otherwise and not to wholesome words, 
What are wholesome words? Even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. He is a fool, is that word. Knowing nothing, darkening his mind, but doting about questions and strifes of words. He's drawing his words from Satan's reservoir of bitter water. He is teaching bitter from the bitter fountain, causing the soul to be vain, unproductive, causing the words to be working against the system, causing that person to walk out of God's will in his life. I wish I could get every born-again Christian when, when they first get saved and just tell them just these two things. God wants you not only delivered, but God wants you healed. God wants you speaking and being filled with the Spirit, speaking with other tongues, and walking in total prosperity, spiritual and body and finances. And let them know that from the beginning before anybody else ever got a hold of them to corrupt their minds. He goes on saying, Whereof cometh envy, strife, railing, evil surmising, and perverse disputings of men of what? Corrupt minds. See, these men were never delivered from their corrupt minds, although they were saved. They allowed the words of the Judaizers to infiltrate their mind. They never allowed the words spoken by Paul, by the Holy Ghost, to change their mind, to renew their mind. Consequently, they erred from the truth. They got themselves drawing from the wrong fountain, the wrong source, and the whole cycle of their life went towards shipwreck. That's what happened to them. Notice what he says to do about these. They have corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, but from these men, from such, withdraw thyself, Notice the last part of this. Next verse. They thought that gain was godliness, but bless God, listen to this, godliness is gain unto all things. Godliness with contentment is great gain. They thought that gain was godliness, but godliness is great gain. Having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Now, let's go back to that Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Timothy said he's a fool. He's a fool. He's not walking according to the truth. He's walking according to the corrupt mind, corrupt reasoning faculties that he's ever been delivered from. Every born-again Christian's got to be delivered from his own way of thinking. You thought that God did it this way, but lo and behold, you found out that he didn't. You thought that God did it this way, but lo and behold, you found out that God didn't do it that way. Well, you thought that God was tempting you and testing and trying your faith and causing all this calamity to come your way, but lo and behold, don't think that way because God doesn't do that. That's the first thing we've got to get delivered from, which we'll see back here in James. That's what he was referring to. Back here in Ephesians 5, he says, verse 7, Be not ye therefore partakers with them. See, he said separate yourself from them. For you were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Notice that it's all righteousness, goodness, and truth, and, and wonderful things, sweet water. But all this other garbage is bitterness and envy and strife and division. It causes calamity and all these other things, evil things, evil surmises. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, make them known. I want to make known to you the works of darkness, so that you don't have no fellowship with the works of darkness. The works of darkness trying to get into your, your spirit man, affect your spirit man by the way of the mind, by our corrupt reasoning faculties. Some of that is, is just what I said here. God doesn't want to heal you. He might if he wants to, and if he doesn't, he doesn't. So if he doesn't heal, do it when, when you ask him, then forget all about it. That is corrupt thinking. That's corrupt thinking. It'll get you in a whole lot of trouble. It'll make you stay sick also. 
need to be delivered from that kind of thinking. But we got those that preach that and teach that, and people get highly developed in that. Let's go on here and see. Verse 12, For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. Hallelujah. By the light. Don't walk in that darkness of the mind, but walk in the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest. You know what he's saying to awake to? Awake to righteousness and sin not. And arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that thou walk circumspectly or cautiously, not as fools like those other fools were. Paul said they're a bunch of fools. They want to get into strife. They want to prove. You know the Bible says avoid foolish questions that gender strikes. Someone comes to me, tongues are not for today. I can prove it to you by the word of God. Tongues are not for today. You don't know the Bible. You say, what did you say? Just what I said to you, nothing. I avoided it. Wouldn't even say a word. Wouldn't even, wouldn't even speak back. The Bible says avoid foolish questions. Saying the tongues are not for today and the Holy Ghost is not for today and rece receiving him and speaking other tongues is like telling me that Jesus isn't Lord. And if someone walked up to me and said, Jesus isn't Lord, I just wouldn't say anything either. <laughs> I just laughed. That just shows me that somebody who's actually, and I'm sorry to say this, but displaying their ignorance concerning the Word of God. Let's face it, beloved. Paul said it's the ignorance that's in them because of the blindness of their hearts. Their minds are alienated from the life of God. You say, how can a Christian do that? Because instead of drawing from the right source, they keep listening to that old dumb devil. And the devil told them that tongues went out many years ago with the apostles. But blessed be God, we're still speaking tongues today. Amen? Aren't we? Praise God. So the devil wasn't going to do it. See? But, but these, those that, that they get themselves in this type of teaching that have erred from the truth, I just pray for them. I mean, bless God, I pray that their eyes will be open, that their minds will be enlightened so they can understand and know what God has provided for them. He goes on to say, See then here that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. But it's why, notice we get back to what James is saying. The wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, without hypocrisy, partiality. Okay, not as a fool, but walk as a wise. We're told to be wise, not fools. He goes on saying, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise. Now, you ready for the wisdom of God? But understanding what the will of the Lord is. Someone who is wise is someone who knows what the will of the Lord is. That's a person that's being wise. It's God's will you be born again. It's God's will you be filled with the Spirit. It's God's will you speak with other tongues. It's God's will you be delivered and healed and set free. It's God's will that you walk as you walk. It's God's will you lay hands on the sick and they recover. It's God's will you cast out devils. Don't be a fool. Be wise. See, be wise. Avoid all that foolish stuff. Someone said, well, does he really want me to do it? Yes, he does. Know what the will of the Lord is. Paul prayed that we be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You see the opposite effect? Know what the will of the Lord is. I want to show something to you about the will of God. You know what's the will of God that we stop sinning? I said, did you know it's the will of God that we stop sinning? You know how the only, the only way you're going to do it? Bless God, I don't have to sin anymore. Glory be to God, sin has no dominion over me anymore. That old man is dead, and I'm renewed in the spirit of my mind. Sin has no dominion over me. I'll not sin against my God, glory to God. I don't have to, and I won't do it. That's when you're going to stop doing it. I tried. That doesn't do it. Even a psychiatrist will, psychiatrist will tell you two words that they do not like to hear him say. I tried and I can't. They'll come in and talk and try to get med medical help. They'll say, well, I tried to, to love my husband and I tried to love my wife. You know, and I tried to help the kids and I tried to do this and 
And you know, I just can't love my wife, and I just can't seem to love my husband. I just can't seem to control my kids. I just can't seem to do what, what I'm supposed to be doing. I just can't. And really, if they would just face up to it, just face up to the fact what they should instill, in, in, insert rather, in instead of can't and, you know, they can't do it, or they try to do it, they should say, I won't do it. I won't love my wife. I won't love my husband. I won't train my kids. I won't do what I have to do. Not I can't, not I have tried. I won't. Because it's an act of your will. And you as a born-again Christian have been told you can do all things through Christ. If a psychiatrist doesn't like to see them come in and say, I can't, can you imagine standing before the Father of glory and saying, I tried, but I can't. Can you see that? Can you see that? And he'd sit there and say to you, son, daughter, I gave you the power that I raised Jesus from the dead with to do it. I gave you a host of angels and surrounded you with the angel of the Lord so you could do it. I gave you my Holy Ghost and another language so you can do it. And then I came to live in you and the Son came to live in you and the Spirit came to live in you and so that you became my temple and I was in you and I'm greater in you than he that's in the world. And you walk in my throne and say, I couldn't do it. You see why we've got to work on this mind? That's my next step now. We talked about what takes place in the spirit, but if there's ever been a lack of teaching, it's been a lack of teaching on what to do with this thing that we call the mind. How to renew that mind. How to get that mind to a place that that mind is thinking the thoughts of God all the time. Acting as God would act. Thinking his thoughts. Knowing his will. Carrying them out in the earth. Let's go back to that book of James. The first chapter. I didn't want to stop there in Ephesians, but I'm going to, so we can get along with the mind. But one part of the will of God, he just told you in the next verse. We end with verse 17. But verse 18 said, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be being filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves. When, when God starts telling you what he wants you to do, it sounds, actually, it sounds crazy. I mean, if you walk down the street and, and you know, what are you doing? Just speaking to myself. Don't talk to him, honey. I mean, if you were doing that in English, you'd walk down there just talking to yourself. They probably get somebody to carry you away to one of the insane signs. You know, this guy's nice. I work by this guy. You what? He comes over work, tells his wife, "I work by this guy. Always just talk to himself all day long." He's a nut. Who told you to do it, God? Well, what are you doing? I'm speaking to myself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Why? God said so. What kind of God you serve? Let me talk to myself. Speak to myself. Psalms and hymns, spiritual songs. That song's in other tongues. That's singing in other tongues. Praising in other tongues. Giving thanks unto the Father in the name of Jesus. Amen? Always, continually. Think about that. How are you? Well, that's the will of God. That's the will of God. You're right there to do that, see? See? Well, how are you always so joyful? How are you always so cheerful? How can your countenance radiate the glory of God? Well, I just walk around just speaking to myself. Songs and hymns and spiritual songs and singing with melody in my heart unto the Lord. You say, well, you don't sing to the Lord. He didn't say sing on keys. He said, see, make a joyful noise. That's all. Right? That's all right. Amen? Besides, when the, when the, the choir, the angelic choir, you know, joins in with my voice, it's just all right. Sweet smelling savor. Amen. But you see, that's one way to walk in victory. And yet you say some some Christians, have you been speaking to yourself lately? No. Why not? Well, I'm just, you know, troubled and down and defeated. Why are you so down and defeated? You should be building yourself up in your most holy faith. Speaking in the Holy Ghost, speaking to yourself in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. That'll keep your mind renewed. It'll keep your mind thinking on the right thing. Keep your mind thinking that the Holy Ghost is inside of you. Amen. Now James said over here. Now, note again that, that verse of Scripture in verse 21. 
born-again Christians can walk according to the vanity of their mind as other Gentiles walk if they want to, and if they don't renew their mind or deliver themselves from their corrupt reasoning faculties. We've got to deliver ourselves from corrupt reasoning faculties. We are to trust the Lord with our heart and lean not unto our own reasoning faculties. We're not to lean to our own reasoning faculties. Uh, that involves the, the spirit of the Word and not the letter of the Word. Someone said, well, you know, um, when we gather together and we worship together, are we only supposed to just have one person speak in other tongues or two people speak in other tongues? Can the whole body speak in other tongues? We try to get, you know, by the letter of the law, not by the Word, not by the spirit of the Word. In the first place, he's just talking there about those that are in the office of the prophet's ministry and particularly those that are using the gifts of the Spirit and speaking uh, tongues and interpretation. And at the most, but three. Three individuals, that is. But nowhere will you find out in the Bible that it tells you not to, to, to join yourselves together and worship the Lord in the Spirit or in one accord or with one voice. How do you think the Israelites lifted up their voice into God? They got on the instruments, and uh, they were well versed in it. They joined their voices together, and they sang one thing, Praise ye the Lord, for he's good, and his mercy endureth forever. And the glory of the Lord came down and filled the tabernacle, and so much that the priests could walk in and, and minister, they fell by the reason of the cloud. Well, he confounded the language of the people so they could not get in unity because man would do anything that his mind imagined to do. And so he confounded their language so they couldn't communicate with one another. Blessed be God, when we got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, he stopped that confounding of language and gave us all one universal language whereby when we gather together we can lift our voices up to God with one accord in other tongues. And he knows that tongue, bless God, it blends in together. And again, can we unite ourselves together in, in one universal language to give glory unto his name, that he may inhabit our praises. And if he inhabited their known language, what do you think he does with our unknown language? Thou verily give us thanks well in another tongue. Amen? So you see? Okay, here James is talking about the corruptness of the minds of these people that he was writing to. Now, to get it in context, this is very important. You've got to realize that these people were scattered abroad because they are being persecuted and afflicted for their belief in Christ. And that's why he wrote to them that were separated and persecuted and said, Count it all joy when you fall into these diverse temptations, knowing that the trying your faith work of patience, and patience have a perfect work, and make perfect entire one and nothing, and so on and so forth. But he goes on to say, let no man say that when I am tempted of evil, that I'm tempted by God, for God can tempt no man with evil. These people thought that the calamity and the evil, all the wrong things that was happening to them that was coming their way, God, they thought God was doing that in their lives to instruct them or to teach them. It's a type of what we have today. Well, God made you... Um, Fall down off the steps and break your arm just so that you can learn a lesson by it. And you know what the Bible says, all things work together for good. Well, you show me the good of that broken arm to that fellow. And that does not say it works together for good to others, it says to him. Did you hear me? Now, God can get somebody saved if he goes to the hospital or if someone's standing there watching them heal it instantly, Right? But the good, that did not work together good for that person. These guys thought that God was doing this to cause all this calamity, all this chaos, and they were just sitting back and saying, well, God's doing it, so we might as well just sit back and take it. And James is writing here, and what he's actually saying in verse 16, look at verse 16. He says, do not err, my beloved brethren. What you are doing is err. Do not be deceived. What you're saying is very deceiving. You deceive your own self. You are saying that God is the one that has caused this to happen in your life. And because you're saying that God did it, you're in error. You're deceived. Satan's got you into thinking that what he's doing to you is God. Next verse. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. There is no change with him. 
and there's not even a shadow of turning. He will not turn from every good and perfect gift. One and one in mathematics is two. It's the law of mathematics. One plus one equals two. Two plus two equals four. The law that you and I should abide by under the new covenant is one, God is love. One plus one, God is good. God does not do any evil to his children. He's not the author of it. He has none of it. He doesn't do it. He's not tempting you with evil. He's not causing your car wrecks. He's not causing trees to fall on your house. He's not calling, causing you to fall down the steps and break your legs. God is not doing that to get your attention. He's not doing that at all. And he says, if you think that way, he says, you need to be delivered from your corrupt minds. I'll say that to you in verse 13, verse 12 and 13. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised. The Lord gives the crown of life to them that love him. Let no man say, let no man say, don't even let it come out of your lips. Don't say it. Don't even say it. That when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Now the word there uh, in verse 13, where it says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. The word of. The Greek word there, there's two Greek words, hupo and apo, that's used there for of. Now, the one that's used there refers to the fact, don't let God, don't anyone say that when I am tempted, I am tempted directly by God. Now, that one could have been used there, but it wasn't. Don't say that I am direct, tempted directly by God with evil. Don't say that. But that's not the word that's used there. The word that's used there says, don't let anybody say, I am tempted directly by God or indirectly by God for any purpose with this evil, with these temptations or calamities. Don't even say it. Don't even say it. Those are vain words. When someone goes off and says, well, you know, uh, someone fell down the steps and broke their leg and, you know, all things work together for good. You know what the Bible says? And, you know, that's, that's, that's got to be for your good, brother. That's got to be for your good, sister. God got to get a hold of your attention, didn't he? Yeah, but you know God could have got a hold of your attention without you falling down and breaking your leg? That has infiltrated the church. Things like that happen, and people, you know, it's hard to deliver them from that. I taught this one time, and I never believe any different because it's right here. I mean, if the Bible says, let no man say it, I'm not saying it. I will never say that any calamity that came my way came from God. I'll never say that. What will you say then? I'll say every good gift and every perfect gift is from love. Coming down from the Father of life. So there's no shadow of changing your turning with him. My God was all good to me. That's right. Now you'll get your thinking straightened out and be delivered from a corrupt reasoning faculty if you'll start to think that way. Yeah, but Lord, forget the ands, ifs, and the buts. It clearly states here in James 1, 13, let no man say. Now you're a New Testament believer, aren't you? Then don't say it. Don't say that God is the one that did that. That's where he went off and finished that chapter by saying, don't let any man say that. When a man is tempted, he is enticed, he's drawn away from the word by his own lust, he's trying to be drawn away from God, he's tempted, he's enticed. When that is conceived inside his heart, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Now tell me, was God tempting or testing or trying that person so he can conceive sin inside his spirit, and so, so sin can run its full course so that he can die? That's ridiculous, isn't it? That's ridiculous. No, but every good gift is from above, coming down from the fallen life of his own will, beget us with the word of truth, that we could be a first fruits of his creation, right? So let every man be slow to speak, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of God worketh, wrath of man worketh not the worketh not the righteousness. Now we're putting this. Am I going too far out for you? I want you to put this back into the cycle of righteousness. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. You're there saying, well, dear God, he, this happened to me, that happened to me, and God's doing it, and, and you know, he's doing this to me for a purpose, and I don't know what the purpose is. I'm going to find out someday when I get to go, whenever you're going to find out. All you're doing is stopping the cycle of righteousness from working in your heart. The wrath of man, if anything, people get bitter when they say, well, God caused him to fall on the steps, and you know what happened? He died. But they'll go off and say, well, but by his funeral, can God save? Wasn't that nice that God did that? Beloved, that's 
that's vain words. And the wrath of God comes upon people for speaking like that. Don't let that wrath come on you. As long as you're going to be a teacher, as long as you're going to speak God's word, you better speak the truth, and you better speak it in love. Don't take the awesome responsibility. I just think about the awesome responsibility of speaking words that people are going to act upon. You better believe that it. they better be words of truth, words of life, words of life. If it says, let no man say that I'm a man, I'm not saying that God has done any of it. I only say that God is the one that brings good and blessing to my life. Amen? Okay. They need to be delivered from that. So the course of righteousness can begin to work. Can begin to work in their life. Now, we're going to keep on this lesson for a long time, looks like. Well, we'll close the tape right there. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.